Good morning. Today we'll begin Hilchot Berachot, Perek Aleph. The subject of Berachot is very fascinating, and I don't know why, but somehow it seems that every time we learn a certain topic, it's a subject of the upcoming parasha. And obviously, we are about to read Parashat Vayhi, which is all about Berachot. And maybe it's a function of there being something in every parasha that relates somehow to something anywhere in Halakha, that that's probably the case, but still it's it's amusing to me. Um, just a word or two about Berachot. What is a Beracha? What does the word Beracha mean? And bear in mind, we have to come with a definition that fits what we do. We say a Beracha for an apple, we say a Beracha um, after we eat, we say a Beracha sometimes to our children. We have Yaakov giving Berachot to his children. We have Rabbi Ishmael ben Elisha asking in his vision, uh, an angel to, to give him a beracha. We have Yaakov asking a beracha from an angel. And then we have we uh, the Kohanim giving a beracha to Am Israel, Birkat Kohanim. And we have the beracha that, um, that we, in a way, give to Hashem. Uh, what, so, what does it mean, beracha? We need a definition that fits all of those things. So, at the most basic level, it's a little more specific than what I'm about to say, but at the most basic level, a beracha is a declaration. A beracha is a declaration, and this is going to become very evident in this halachot. And it's a declaration having to do with status. It's a declaration about its subjective, it's about the person about whom this declaration is being made. You don't do a beracha on a thing, you do a beracha on, to someone or about someone, and you're declaring their status and sometimes by declaring their status you're creating their status so beracha is very much related to big uh, kara or hab kara we have a pasuk in parashat kitesel yuchal lebaker et ben ha'ahuba al pene ben asenua habechor a father if he has uh, two wives <coughs> one of whom he loves more than the other he cannot, he cannot uh, choose who is going to be the Bechor by choosing the one of the wife that he loves more. And this Lebaker functionally is the same as Lebarech. The Beracha that Yaakov got from Ishaq instead of Esav was a declaration meant to really signify that Yaakov is the Bechor. Uh, the, the beracha that Yaakov gives his children is to signify what's unique about each and every one of them. The beracha that we give, so to speak, to Hashem is to signify, is to declare something that we know makes him unique, gives him a certain status um, from our point of view. And the beracha that the Kohanim give to Am Israel is, is how, what Bore Olam says about Am Israel. Beracha can sometimes have aspects of prophecy. Sometimes a beracha is again a declaration that someone says about some someone else that he knows the one giving the beracha is true about that person. This is more like the berachot that Moshe Rabbeinu gives. These are all future declarations about the future of each of the Shevatim. So with that, let's start with whole berachot. Obviously, we are not having halachot of how to have nevuah. Here on the future, this is berachot of a very particular kind of berachot that we say declaring about God. And there is only one beracha that's in the Torah, and 
אז הוא הסתר מצוות עשה אחת והיא לברך את שם הקדוש ברוך הוא אחר אכילה וביאור מצווה זו בפרקים אלו. There is only one מצווה מן התורה and that is ברכת המזון to declare something about the uniqueness of God after we eat food and the elaboration of this מצווה comes in these chapters. פרק ראשון, הלכה א'. מצוות עשה מן התורה, לברך אחר אכילת מזון, שנאמר ואכלת ושבעת וברכת את אדוני אלוהיך. There is one מצווה, affirmative מצווה from the Torah, which is to say a ברכה after eating food, מזון is something that satisfies, חכמים understand that this is particularly bread, and the Torah says it very clearly in פרשת עקב, and when you eat and you become satisfied, then you shall say a beracha, you shall acknowledge, you shall declare what you understand the uniqueness is of Hashem, your God. So just a word about the pasuk, the way it says, ve'achalta ve'savata is just setting up the fact pattern, it's just setting up the scenario, the context, and when you eat and, when, and you become satisfied, and then comes the imperative, the commandment, you shall say a beracha. It's not you shall eat and you shall get satisfied. The first two are just a context. Only the third verb, uberachta, is the one that is imperative. And the Torah only obligates a person to say this beracha, the misva is only if a person actually became satisfied, like it says, and then And Hachamim said, they expanded this, and they said, no, even if a person ate any symbolic amount, and a symbolic amount of eating, something, this is true throughout Halakha, something to be considered eating must be of at least the size of an olive. How large is an olive? Take an olive and see. That is the size of an olive. It's like an olive. It's kaza. It is not exactly an olive. There is no golden olive in the heavenly abode against which every single olive in this earth is going to be measured. This is all for our perception. Hamim wanted this to be a measurement of something that means something. It's the minimis, but in the human mind. So it's whatever is an olive in our mind. And that actually might change from place to place. Whatever is an olive in our mind, that is the, the minimum amount that's considered eating. So if you eat an olive worth, Chachamim say you should say Birkat Hamazon afterwards, even if you are not satisfied. Furthermore, from Chachamim, that a person should say Beracha over each and every edible thing that they are about to eat and only then proceed to enjoying deriving benefit from it likewise if a person is about to smell something good to have to derive a benefit from a nice scent say a beracha and then enjoy it and this is not this is not like which is it has the, this amount of kazait, this is a fidlu kol shehu, this is even if it's any, any amount whatsoever, even a crumb, if I'm about to deliberately derive benefit from a crumb, I should say a beracha before it. 
or drink a drop, I should say, berakha before it. V'chol ha'nehene min ha'olam belo berakha ma'al. And any person who derives a benefit, who enjoys from this world without acknowledging God for it, through a berakha, ma'al. Achamim said in Masechet Berachot, this is as if a person is stealing from the property of God. This whole world belongs to God, and you, the very least we can do is acknowledge him for that. Furthermore, from Chachamim, a person must say Beracha after eating or drinking anything, not only Mazon, but now we have a minimum. So for drinking is Revi'ait. Revi'ait is a measurement. Um, it's a fourth of a log. Uh, it used to be known back in the day. What This was a measurement people used to use. It's around, if you want the calculation, it's a little under. It's between two and three ounces, liquid ounces. And also eating needs to be uh, is an, about an olive size. However, if a person is not intending to derive benefit of eating something, but rather he or she just wants to see to 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 see the taste of something, to see if it's uh, if it's ready to eat, if it needs more salt, etc. So this kind of tasting, that's just. To, to see if what you're about to eat is good or not. You're not trying to eat it. It's not that you decided, okay, I want to derive benefit from it, but you want to first assess whether or not you want at all to derive benefit from it or not. And for that, you're trying it out, you're tasting it. So if it's up to Revi'ait, uh, it's, uh, it's fine. Uh, you don't need a Beracha, not before nor after. And just like Hamim said, we have to say a beracha before deriving a benefit from this physical world, so too we have to say a beracha before engaging in any misvah to acknowledge, to recognize that what we are about to do is because Hashem said so. So I know that lately, uh, and I have to say this, uh, some sidurim and some people have started saying something very, very new called, uh, for example, a shemichud, or Vihinoam, Vihinoam, or, or some other things that Sidurim like to add, because printing has become very cheap, so why not have more pages? But all of those things, not only in their content, are dangerous, and I recommend you look into it if you are going to consider saying it before saying it, but also in their function are unnecessary. That's what we have Berachot for. If you tell me that you're saying L'Shem Ichud in order to put you in the right mindset, to say the, the to, to do the misvah, etc., then what is the point of a beracha? The beracha is exactly meant to do that, to say that you're doing what you're about to do. You're about to put a talet or a tefillin because because so prescribed. So that is the function of the berachot. And every misvah, before you do it, over before you do it, you say the beracha and then you do it. And furthermore, Many other berachot, that are more in the vein of praising and acknowledging and even asking that we remember Bore Olam always, 
אף על פי שלא נהנה ולא עשה מצווה that have nothing to do with deriving a benefit from this world or doing a מצווה. דלת, נמצאו כל הברכות כולן, שלושה מינים, so you find that there is three kinds of ברכות. ברכות ההנאיה, ברכות that you say before deriving a benefit from the physical reality, like eating or drinking or smelling something, וברכות המצוות, ברכות that you say before engaging in any affirmative uh, precept, וברכות הודאה, and also the ברכות of acknowledgement, שהן דרך שבח והודאיה, that they are meant to be in the vein of praising or, or, uh, <coughs> or thanking or acknowledging or asking כדי לזכור את הבורא תמיד ולטעמי מנוס, that we remember at all times uh, our creator and we are aware of his existence, of his presence. הלכה ה' ונוסח כל הפרחות עזרה ובדינו תקדום. And the actual formula of the ברכות, that's something that we received from the Supreme Court led by Ezra HaSofer at the beginning of the second temple, the second Bait Shani. ואין ראוי לשנותם ולא להוסיף על אחת מהם ולא לגרוע ממנה. And therefore it's not appropriate, it's not proper to change them or to add onto them or to subtract from them. וכל המשנה ממטבע שטבעו חכמים בברכות, And a person changing the, the formula that was given to us by Hachamim for the Berachot is making a mistake. בכל ברכה שאין בה הזכרת השם ומלכות, אינה ברכה אלא אם כן הייתה סמוכה לחברתה. Now a technical point הרמב״ם is saying, when we refer to Berachot, we refer to uh, every single formula of a Berachah will have שם ומלכות, will have... Adonai, the name of God, and Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. It will have that formula of Melech HaOlam, that's Malchut. Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, those three words are Malchut. So whenever you have a Berachah that doesn't have that, then this is not a Berachah, this is something else. Unless it's, unless it's uh, adjacent to another Berachah that does have that formula, in which case both of them become one long Berachah. Um, Like for example, Baruch She'amar, it starts with Shem Malchut, Baruch Atah Hashem Lokenu Melech HaOlam, Ha'elav Rahman, and it ends with, without Shem Malchut, it ends Baruch Atah Hashem. Actually, that, that's, that's Malchut also. Melech Mola Batesh Malchut, that has Malchut as well. Uh, but you have some in, 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 uh, in Tefillot that have Shem uh, Malchut only in one side, not on the other side. Halachavav. כל הברכות כולן נאמרים בכל לשון והוא שיאמר כעניין שתיקנו חכמים. Something very novel for some of us. The ברכות may, may be said in every single language, so long as the meaning is what חכמים uh, intended or established. And even if a person ends up changing the formula, we said one should not, but if a person ends up doing it anyways, So long as a person ended up mentioning and then Melech somehow, and then it was in the same theme, the same meaning as a Beracha, even if it's not using holy names, this will be enough to satisfy the obligation of the Beracha. All the Berachas must be said to the Berachot must be said 
sufficient la sufficiently loud as to hear oneself when I'm saying it. But if a person said it so low that it's not sufficiently loud for me to hear it, it's enough. This is something where Harambam uh, stands against some other Rishonim. Whether a person said it by articulating it with his lips or saying it in your thought. If you just think of the beracha, berech belibo, you think the beracha, you close your eyes, close your mouth, and you just say the beracha without pronouncing it, without saying it, that would be enough to be your say the chova. All the berachot, one may not stop or interrupt between the beracha and the thing for which the beracha is being said, with other things. And unlike the things we said in halachot, vav and zayin, if you do interrupt between the beracha and the thing for which you're saying a beracha, you actually have to say the beracha once again. We're going to give an example now. But if a person interrupts with things that are related to what the beracha is for, then one need not go back and say the beracha again. How so? An example. The person said, And then before eating the bread, before eating it, which is the reason for saying this beracha, he interrupts by saying, Can you bring me some salt? I need salt to eat this bread. Or can you bring the, the food that I'm going to dip this bread in? Can you give this person to eat? Maybe referring to a poor person who is waiting outside before we start. Or can you give food to the animal before we start eating? And Hachamim say that it's appropriate to always feed your animals before you eat. Learned from the Pasuk in, uh, in, uh, in the Shema Israel. Because they were related to the function of eating this bread, then this interruption does not remove the beracha from its context, and therefore one must one need not do the beracha again, and so on and so forth. All the berachot may be said by someone who is ritually impure, who is not, who is unfit to go into Beit Hamikdash, <coughs> whether from a kind of impurity that can be resolved that same day, for example, uh, an impurity of uh, some certain excretions from the body, or or an impurity that cannot be resolved in that same day. For example, an impurity having to do with some kind of a change in, in the status of a person. So a mitzorah, for example, someone who had a tzara'at and is becoming tahor, he needs to wait seven days and so on and so forth. However, a person may not say a beracha being naked until he covers his nakedness. When are we saying that a person must cover his nakedness with something else is the implication? With uh, men, 
whose nakedness, the, 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 the limbs of the human body in the men are different than in, in women. A woman may sit down and with the act of sitting cover her nakedness, which physiologically is impossible for a man to do. And if a woman does that, she can say a beracha while being naked. Although a person already satisfied his own personal obligation, he may say that same beracha for others who have yet to fulfill their own obligation, the only exception being a beracha that said before enjoying something, be it drinking, eating, or smelling, <coughs> which doesn't have an element of prescription in it, that a person may not do this only for others, unless he's also deriving a benefit with them. And we're going to see the, the alternative now. But a beracha that said before enjoying something that has an aspect of misva, and now these are the examples, like eating masa. Eating masa has two berachot. It has al achilat masa in Even if I ate my kazait masa and I say the beracha for myself, if that later I have the opportunity to say this beracha for someone who doesn't know the beracha, uh, or I'm leading a seder and I want to say the beracha for everyone, I may do so and I may say, uh, even though I'm not going to eat it myself for the others, or even more commonly because it happens every single week. Kiddush, let's say I said Kiddush for myself, and I said Hagefen, and I said Mekadesha Shabbat. And then I come home and I want to say it for my family and I have no interest in drinking wine again. I may say the Kiddush and I do not need to drink the wine. I'm, so long as I have someone for whom I'm saying this Beracha and that someone and other people are going to drink in my stead, then I'm saying the Beracha on their behalf. Then a person may say the beracha for the others to eat and drink, even though he is not eating and drinking with them. <coughs> this question comes up a lot of Kiddush. Can I say Kiddush for others, even though I said it myself? Can I say Kiddush for others, even though I'm not drinking of the wine? The answer to both is yes, so long as someone else is drinking. A person who hears a beracha from beginning to end and has in mind to fulfill his obligation by listening to the beracha without saying it himself, then this is enough to be a de hova, even though the person did not say amen at the end. So let's say I'm listening to someone is saying Kiddush and I put in my mind, I want to fulfill my obligation by listening to this Kiddush. And then as the person finishes, I rush to drink my wine and I forget to say Amen. Uh, that's uh, not the best case scenario, but I still fulfilled my obligation. 
וכל העונה אמן אחר המברך, הרי הוא כמברך. But if I went ahead and actually said amen, then not only did I fulfill my obligation, but it's as if I said the beracha myself. This is so long as the person saying the beracha was obligated to say that same beracha. But if the person saying the Biracha doesn't have the same level of obligation as the person listening to the Biracha, I'm going to give a couple of examples, then one must answer Amen afterwards so that it counts as though I said it myself or listen it from someone who has the same obligation. So let me give you an example. <clears throat> um, let's say someone is uh, uh, someone used to be a, a slave, a servant, and had two owners, two masters, and one of the masters freed him, one didn't free him. So this person is now half a free man and half a not free man. And this is the, the kind of example Hachamim like to use to whenever they need a default case for when is someone Hayam Rivresafrim, when is someone uh, obligated on something but may not be obligated. This is the kind of person. So let's say this kind of person uh, wants to blow the shofar. Would a Ayved be Hayav on the shofar? No, Ayved is not, it's Paturmina Shofar because it's Mitzvatashas Mangerama. But will a freeman be chayav on the shofar? Yes, that freeman is chayav on shofar. So what happens with one who is half and half? That person is chayav midivre sofrim. So if this person is about to blow the shofar and says, Baruch atah Hashem elokenu melech haolam, asher kiddeshelam vizvotav esivanu, lishmo akol shofar, and I hear that, if I just hear that, and I'm chayav midivre if I just hear that, and I, I put my intention to hear it, then that's not going to be enough because he, this his obligation is midivre sofrim, and my obligation is minatora. Therefore, just by hearing it and putting kavana is not enough. However, if I then say amen after that beracha, then we no longer look at his obligation. We look at the fact that I said amen, which makes it almost as if I said the oh no, it makes it as if I said the beracha myself, and therefore I'm the one who is really being Mosi myself, Yedehova, and that will be enough to uh, be Yosei Yedehova. I skipped a line, I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry, having... If there is many people who are around a table to eat bread or to drink wine, and one of them said beracha and everyone answered amen, like most families do every Shabbat, then all of them are now allowed to eat or drink. But if they don't intend to actually join together for a meal and eat together, rather they are all around the same table, but then everyone is going to eat their own, even if they are eating from the same bread, then everyone should say their own beracha.
במה דברים אמורים? בפת ויין בלבד, דבר שאל אוכלים ומשכין אינם צריכים הסיבה. And when are we saying this, that the people need to actually intend to join together to a meal, with respect to bread and wine only, but every other, ki- each, uh, other kinds of foods, like say grapes or, or tortilla chips or whatever it might be, uh, you don't need to actually join together to eat, Rather, if one person said the Berachah and everyone answered afterwards, then everyone can eat and, and drink independently without needing to join, even though they did not intend to join together around the same meal. Uh, some people understand, that the Gaon Mivilna in particular understands that people need to actually sit down around the table together in order to be Yosei the Chova, which is why some people have, following the Gaon Mivilna, they have the custom to say the Kiddush sitting down, because they say otherwise you will not be Yosei the Chova. So two things. Number one, this is not what Harambam is saying here. It's just the intention to join within the same meal. You don't need to be sitting down. It's not va'adu, not sheyashavu. So you don't need to sit down for Kiddush. But on the subject of Kiddush, you also don't need to stand up. The reason for standing up is also not a reason coming from Harambam, nor frankly a reason that makes a lot of sense. They say that because you're saying it's as if you're giving a, giving a testimony and therefore you have to stand up because witnesses give a testimony. So obviously, even if symbolically it's as if you're giving a testimony, you don't need to apply all the rules that apply to an actual testimony in court to Kiddush. That's ridiculous. Uh, otherwise, you also wouldn't be able to give a testimony at night. And we obviously do Kiddush at night. So whether you say Kiddush standing up or sitting down, it doesn't matter halachically. Uh, and everyone should follow their minhag. But uh, I, I'd recommend not to do it for any of these two reasons, because neither is a good enough reason. Yud Gimal. Kol ha-shomea echad mi-Yisrael mevarech beracha mikol ha-berachot kulan, af al-pi shelo shama beracha kulan mitechila ve-asofa, now, separately from trying to be Yosei the Chova, whenever a person hears a Beracha from another Jew, whether it's the entire Beracha, whether it's a part Beracha, whether it's a Beracha that has to do with you or not, like say a woman hears someone saying Beracha of Lulav, the woman does not have the Misvah of having Arbat Aminim, but if she hears her husband or her brother or her son saying the Beracha, or her father saying the Beracha of Anitid at Lulav, then that person must answer Amen. This Amen is part of the etiquette that we have when we hear a Berachot. Whenever you hear a Beracha, you say Amen. However, if a person saying the Beracha was a non-Jew or mean or heretic, or Kuti, Kuti is something a little under a Goy, but not quiet. So Kuti were the Samaritans in Israel at first, uh, during the time of Ezra, they were accepted as part of of uh, of the jews but with some with some reservations because they they didn't consider themselves part of that uh, of that nation but they thought to be remnants from the original jews but then eventually hachamim found out that the samaritans were worshiping actual avodah zarah and from that moment and on they said uh, that that presumption that we had, that belief we had, that assumption that they were Jews was erroneous. So we are not going to treat them as 
Jews, but not part of the rabbinic system like we used to do until now. Rather, they are going to be right now fully like Goyim. So Kuti refers to that time before they were declared to be Goyim. And their Berachot being that it's something with the Rabbanan is something that they wouldn't believe in. The Samaritans wouldn't believe in the authority of Ezra Sofer, or his Bedin, or anyone else coming after him for that matter. And therefore, they do not believe in the Berachot. And therefore, the Berachot that they say has no meaning, really. And one should not say Amen after it. Or a child that's learning how to say the Beracha. He's not performing a Beracha right now. He's just practicing. Or even an adult Jew that is not a Min, is not a Kuti, that says a Beracha differently than the Chachamim say, one should not answer Amen after those. By the way, as another parenthesis, and this might be a slightly controversial statement, I'm saying it half in jest, half in despair, and half seriously. Uh, some people mispronounce Berachot so badly that perhaps they are being Meshanin Me'amatbea, perhaps they are changing from the formula, and one should not say Amen after those. I don't know if that's what this halacha means, but I'm just making an observation that Berachot should be pronounced correctly. Person saying amen should not say amen that's that's uh, said right in the middle of the beracha. So before the person has a chance to finish the beracha, the person is already jumping to the amen, a jumped amen. Nor an amen that's uh, too late after the fact. Uh, it's a person says the beracha and then five seconds later. Oh, Amen, you said the Beracha, I'm going to say Amen now. Nor an Amen, that's very short. Amen, or Amen, a very long Amen. Rather, a, a normal, a well-measured, a balanced Amen. person should not scream the Amen louder than the person saying the Beracha. And a person who did not hear the Berachah, but he's hearing everyone else saying Amen, should not say Amen with them. Should not. A person should only say Amen if he hears at least part of the Berachah. Kol ha-mevarech Berachah she'ena selicha, ha-rezen osse shem shamayim l'shav, v'hareu kan nishba l'shav. Whoever says a beracha without needing to say that beracha, for example, he says, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Borev Eliyahes, without proceeding to eat anything afterwards. Harezeno Seshem Shamayim Lashav. We said berachot are declarations. And this is equivalent to making a declaration with the name of God, in the name of God, without any purpose, without any function, without any reason. It's like swearing in vain. Amen. And one must not say Amen after such a beracha. Hatinokot, however, children, minors, children, of course, when they are learning to say berachot, they might they, they may say a beracha however many times as they want while they are learning, and a person should not say amen after those. And furthermore, 
a person saying amen after a berachah that's being said for practice for children, that person is not fulfilling his own obligation to say that berachah. A person saying amen after his own berachot, that's something ugly, it's not something appropriate to do, to say Baruch amen, and then eating, eat. And however, if a person said, says amen after a berachah that is the last one in a series, then that is a nice thing to do. Like for example, that we say, Baruch Atah Hashem Boni Yerushalayim, and then we say Amen, because it's the third one in a series of Birkat Hamazon. Or after Hashkivenu, we say, Shomet Amo Yisrael La'ad, and then we say Amen, because it's the last one in the series. Likewise, any Berakha that's the end of the series, like the Berakhot of the Haftarot, Mikadesh Shabbat Amen, a person should say Amen after his own Berachot. Yud Zayin, as an aside, Rambam opens in parenthesis right now, we just said that you said Amen after the Berachot of Bani Yerushalayim, and yet there is a fourth Berachot that comes afterwards, Hatove Hametiv. Why do we say Amen after Bani Yerushalayim and not after Hatove Hametiv? Why do we say Amen after Bani Yerushalayim and not after Hatove Hametiv? Because this fourth beracha was established later in the times of the Mishnah, and it's as if it's an appendix to Birkat Hamazon, not part of the actual series of three berachot of Birkat Hamazon. And the, the, the true last beracha of Birkat Hamazon is Bonei Yerushalayim. Why do we say that after the and why not say Amen after the series of two berachot preceding the Shema, which are Yosser Or in Ahavat Olam? Why don't we say Ohevet Amo Israel Amen and then Shema Israel? Because this is only the beginning. It's it's a series that comes before another series, and both series are connected. It's not really the end. There is no there is no uh, finality to this. There is no closure after after Ohevet Amo Israel. Um, and so too, likewise, so in the morning we have the following case. We have two berachot, a series of two before the Shema, and a series of one after the Shema. So we wouldn't say Amen after Ga'al Israel because one doesn't make a series, we need at least two. And we don't say Amen after Ahavat uh, Olam because it's a series that doesn't really end, it has a continuation. So we end up having no Amen around the Shema. At night, the second series has finality, Ashkivenu, and therefore we do say Amen after the second series, but not after the first one. Likewise, all the Berachot that you say before doing something, it's a series that doesn't have a closure afterwards, therefore you don't say Amen after, after those, like the Berachot you say before reading the Megillah, or lighting the Hanukkiah, the, the menorah. A person should not stop, should not interrupt with an Amen between the Beracha and the thing which the Beracha relates to. So before I light the candles, I should not say Amen, even though I just said three Berachot, I don't say Amen after Shehayanu because I'm about to do the Misvah. <coughs> 
י"ח, ולמה לא יענה אמן אחר ברכת הפירות וכיוצא בה? נאמרה שברכה אחת, why not say אמן after ברכת הפירות, after ברכות that I say to enjoy from fruits or things of the sort, because it's only one ברכה, ואין עונין אמן אלא אחר ברכה אחרונה שקדמה אותה ברכה אחרת או ברכות, and as we said before, you need to have a series of at least two, and then on the last one of that series, if that series is final, if it doesn't have any action following it, then you say אמן afterwards. כגון ברכות מלך, וברכות כהן גדול וכיוצא בהם, like the ברכות that the מלך say, uh, says, the king says certain ברכות before reading the Torah in Hakel, uh, it's the first day of חולם ועד סוכות, during the year of שמיטה, then there is seven ברכות the king says, or the ברכות the כהן גדול says in יום הכיפורים, which are also seven, להודיע שכבד ישתים כל ברכותיו ולפיכך עונה אמן. So for those, although the, the כהן is, is, is about to read, something, or do the avodah, or the king is about to read the Torah of Parashat Akhel, and although it has no closure, which is one of the conditions, in these two scenarios, because we want to signal to the people that this is the end of the Berachot, because it's hard to keep track of seven Berachot, then uh, he says Amen. I, I must add, this is not the case, however, with the Berachot of uh, Erusin, the seven Berachot that, that, that we say uh, under the Chupah, those are not, uh, not under the chuppah, that we say uh, for the erusin of the, of the hatan, for, for giving the ring or any other item of value to the, to the bride, after those we don't say amen. In other words, the person saying them doesn't say amen. When a person eats something that he's not allowed to eat, something that is forbidden to eat, whether purposely or by accident, he should not say beracha not before nor after. So by accident, obviously, this comes up only after having said the beracha when he finds out that what he ate wasn't permissible. Ketzad, how so? If a person ate tevel, tevel is any produce of the earth that did not have ma'asrot, terumotu ma'asrot, all the tithes taken from it, which is forbidden to eat. That's called tevel. Even Tevel de Divrahem, even Tevel that doesn't, that didn't have removed from it some Ma'asrot or Terumot that are Midera Banan only, or even if a person, a, a Levi, wants to eat Ma'asar Rishon, that's the, the portion that the Levi gets, but he didn't take all the Terumot from it, or the Ma'asar Shani is a tithe that a person takes uh, two out of, uh, sorry, uh, it's um, four out of a cycle of seven years, the second and the third, sorry, the first and the second, the first is not Shemitah, the first and the second, and then the, the fourth and the fifth years of the Shemitah cycle, you take 10%, of a denominator that's calculated after some other Ma'asot and Terumot, and you have to eat that 10% inside Yerushalayim. This is something that had tremendous benefits for the economy of Yerushalayim. So if you uh, separated that, and you're outside Yerushalayim, that's called Ma'asar Shani, or Hekdesh, or something that was donated to Bet HaMikdash, and you did not properly redeem them, because there is a way of redeeming them and declaring the Kedushat to have transferred over to some coins, which you then take, take and use in Yerushalayim, thereby removing the Kedushah from the original fruits. If you did not do this, then these things, if you eat, if you eat them, you do not say Beracha before or after them.
ואין צריך לומר אם אכל נבילות הטרפות או שתה יין נסך וכיוצא בהן, and obviously we don't even have to mention what would happen if someone were to eat נבילות הטרפות, animals that were not slaughtered in the proper way, or animals that are not even kosher, or wine that's not kosher, obviously you don't say ברכות not before nor after them. אבל אם אכל דמאי, but if a person eats דמאי, דמאי is something that we don't know. If it has if masrot were taken from it or not, af al pi sheino ra'uid al anim. So chachamim forbade eating it. The mai, but they permitted it if you're a poor person. O masar rishon shenitelat terumato af al pi sheino itan mimenu cheshbon terumag gedolashepo. Or a masar rishon this this tithe that goes to the levi that the levi took its first teruma that goes to the kohen. Even though he didn't take enough of the teruma as he's supposed to, he just took a little bit. <clears throat> However, this is provided that uh, the, the Levi just one second Ah, okay, so so the normally the the Terumagedola could be uh, is taken by the Levi, but Uh, the chiyuv, the obligation to take the teruma, is only when the, the teruma is the, the 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 produce is ready to be eaten. So iklimobashibolin, if uh, it means that the levi uh, did not give enough teruma gedola. Uh, sorry, the levi took out the terumat maaser, but the original food. The original produce from which the master was originally taken did not have yet teruma gedola taken from it. Teruma gedola is an obligation only when uh, the, the grains stop being grain and start being flour. Therefore, if you eat the grains, then this is no longer tevel. It's forbidden to eat, but it's not tevel. So you would say beracha before it and after it. Or the second kind of master. Uh, the master that it's eaten in Yerushalayim or Ekdesh, some, something that was donated to Bet HaMikdash that was properly redeemed. Even though the person did not pay the 20% additional that one is supposed to add when redeeming Maaser Shani or Ekdesh, then this is enough for a person to have to do Beracha before and after. And so forth, also other examples. Tomorrow, by the time we continue with the second chapter, which is significantly shorter than this one.